Ditch the Hustle and Screw the Passion, an ode to Punching the Clock by Matt Ruby. That's me. For a lot of people, their jobs start to sound like their religion. I don't want a job that's merely a paycheck, they say. I want it to be my passion. My workday should fill me with joy and provide me with meaning. For a certain segment of the population, typically young, white, highly educated, and technocentric, the goal is some sort of employment zen. You need to love work so much, you're never actually working. To this group, the old school notion of a job, one where you punch the clock, collect a paycheck, and complain about the boss over drinks after work, is a sign of deficiency, like admitting you don't meditate or recycle. Purpose is now the ultimate status marker, and your job should be a fountain of it. The path to career nirvana is tricky, though. For starters, it seems like one must bow to the altar of hustle. I mean, according to the pillows at WeWork, you need to do what you love, hustle harder, and thank God it's Monday. Elon Musk says, quote, nobody ever changed the world on 40 hours a week. And then there's Gary V, the patron saint of hustle, who advises, quote, stop hanging around people who don't want to win. Well, take that, nurses and teachers. Gary V argues that if you live for the weekends and vacations, quote, your shit is broken. Well, yeah, I mean, what kind of life are you leading if you enjoy vacations? I mean, my heart goes out to all those broken souls sipping Mai Tais on the beach right now. And heaven forbid you wind up like the wretched masses who dislike their jobs but do them anyway because, you know, rent. It's worth noting Gary V's site explains he, quote, rose to prominence in the late 90s by helping his father grow the family business from four to $60 million in sales. Reading that, I fixated on the first number because it's advice you rarely hear. Be the son of someone who owns a business that does $4 million in sales. It's a pretty good way to start. My family merely owned a variety of trauma, and my inheritance was to unpack it via years of therapy. This has done very little to enable my own rise to prominence. All this passion talk presents a conundrum for employers, too, especially in the tech world. Companies can't just talk salaries and 401ks anymore. Now they must sell employees on their <clears throat> purpose-driven nature. Businesses attempt this persuasion via mission statements, things called vision docs, and vague promises to, quote, give people the power to build community. Now, cynics might argue many of these businesses are, in truth, venture capital-funded cash grabs whose real purpose is to get acquired or IPO in order to maximize returns for shareholders and investors. And that's why you want to keep cynics away from your passionate employees, you know, the same way a gardener keeps deer away from sprouting tomatoes. It's interesting how corporate vision statements rarely mention profits. Instead, they insist their companies are making a difference. Read their core values pages and you'd think they're actually charitable causes. Facebook isn't maximizing advertising revenue by tricking your grandfather into believing kooky conspiracy theories. Its mission is to build, quote, meaningful communities that bring the world closer together. Spotify isn't there to let you make playlists. It's there to, quote, unlock the potential of human creativity. Uber isn't replacing taxi drivers. It's, quote, creating an environment that promotes both individual and communal thriving. Dropbox doesn't merely let you store screenshots in the cloud. It's here, quote, to unleash the world's creative energy by designing a more enlightened way of working. 
Zappos doesn't sell shoes. It, quote, delivers wow. I mean, I admit it. I'm wowed by the shamelessness of all their BS. No wonder employees of these companies often work over 80 hours a week. If they don't, they're not just letting down their bosses. They're letting down the world. Notice how rarely highfalutin statements like these are made by groups who actually do help the world and aid those less fortunate. A soup kitchen doesn't need to design a more enlightened way of slurping. It merely needs to give people soup. Doctors Without Borders doesn't need to unlock the potential of the immune system's creativity. It needs to stop the spread of malaria. A good rule of thumb. The more a company publicly touts its heroic virtues, the more likely it is to be destroying democracy, fighting union organizers, and or violating user privacy behind the scenes. It's the same way con men insist they're your friend or claim to be, say, the least racist person in this room. Yeah, right. I have a confession to make. It's about every real job I've ever had. I was there merely to collect a paycheck. I didn't find meaning in writing press releases. Many of the cash register at a pizza joint didn't inspire me. I was never truly passionate about project management software. Working retail didn't help me unleash anything other than a fountain of judgment for my fellow human beings. Just about every job I've ever had was a means to an end. It gave me money to pay my bills, feed myself, and do fun things when I wasn't working. If they hadn't paid me, I wouldn't have shown up. Now, maybe this sounds depressing, but there's something liberating about accepting one's role as a clock puncher. You merely have to do your job. You don't have to make meaningful communities, bring the world closer together, or unlock the potential of human creativity. You can just do your work and then go live your life. You're freed from pretending to care. There's no staying on brand, owning your moment, or thanking a higher power that it's Monday. And there's no need to wonder what your company's entrepreneur in residence or chief of first impressions actually does all day. And you never have to log into LinkedIn and congratulate anyone on their work anniversary. Separating income from passion gives you clarity too. You know which parts of your life are work and which are play. You're not trying to make one thing fulfill all of your desires. You can push a rock up a hill for the man by day and then sled down the other side by night. I've come to view jobs through a game theory prism. Employment is a battle with your employer. Sure, there's some utopian point where the salary you receive and the effort you give might meet up in a 100% mutually symbiotic employer-employee relationship, but good luck finding that point. Otherwise, one side is taking advantage of the other. And I encourage you, the employee, to be the one taking advantage, or at least breaking even. After all, I checked the stock market, and you know what? The man is doing fine. And now let's bring in producer Jeremiah McVeigh. So Matt, you you brought up Gary V in the essay, but we don't really explain in the essay who he is. Do you want to just kind of quickly tell people who might not know 
who he is and and why you thought it was important to bring him up in this and maybe any more that relates to this topic from him. Sure. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, who's head of VaynerMedia and a social media influencer and, you know, patron saint of hustle culture and is like out there telling people how much they have to hustle and grind. And, you know, uh, I, I think he's, you know, at the forefront of this sort of messaging uh, especially on social media to younger people and, you know, telling them that all they need to do is, you know, sort of just uh, work incessantly and and that's the goal of everything. I'm oversimplifying. And I think he's got some, you know, valid messaging that he's giving people and I don't think he's like a bad person or anything like that, but it does seem to be mm-hmm. a very reductive sort of like, all you got to do is grind, just hustle more. And like, I just think of all these entrepreneurs who have like rocket ship emojis in their bios and i'm like what what exactly are you an entrepreneur of um and you know i first encountered him i think it was at south by southwest i went to a keynote you know talk that he gave and there was q a afterwards and i remember someone in the q a went up as like i quit my job in order to follow my passion and i just wanted to say thank you uh and you know, this person had just quit their job and the whole room like applauded. And I'm like, I remember having this feeling of like, how do we know if this is a good idea? That, you know, just quitting your job to follow your passion isn't automatically by default going to work out well or something we should yeah. all be applauding. Like I, I, I was just like, I'm going to need more information before I endorse this move by this person. Like what is, what is their passion? You know, like, does he want to be, you know, an NBA player and he's, you know, a five foot four dude who can't jump. Like maybe he should stick with his, his job then and not pursue his passion. I just think uh, sometimes we got to look at uh, reality too. So I think that was, you know, one of the first times I was like, huh, what's going on with this Gary V guy and, and trying to pay attention to it. But I think it's just sort of like, uh, I don't know, fitting into some zone in our culture where, you know, people want to hear the sort of like tough talk. Yeah. There's always like sort of a circular logic, I feel like, with those type of people. If like, you just got to do it, then it's done. And that's not that helpful a, a piece of advice, you know? Right. And also helpful when you have $4 million to start off with. Yeah, exactly. Let, let's pull out and look at the bigger picture for a second, because you are a comedian um, and you are talking about other people who work in the arts, or that's what I think of at least, because when people say, you know, follow your passion, often people's passion, they don't pay well. That's why they're not doing it in the first place. Right. So what, what is the problem with society, uh, or at least American society in particular, that sort of doesn't value these things that people do value in their lives, but just don't seem to want to ever pay for in the same way that maybe they get paid for in other countries through subsidies and and ways that that help artists make a living because there is some sort of societal value placed on those professions, if you want to call them professions or if you want to call them passion. I don't think we're the kind of country that is going to have some foundation that's going to pay artists. Um, And I think in general, like, uh, you know, there's a supply and demand issue here. Like a lot of people would love to be poets and get paid to write poetry, but it's probably like, uh, you know, a a tiny percentage of what a hundred people in America who get to actually make a living by writing poetry. And, you know, the rest have to either teach or, you know, have a, have another job or do something else. And, um, on some level, I don't know that I think that that's bad or wrong. You know, I don't know that we're entitled to necessarily make a living off our art form. And like, uh, 
a lot of times it's, you know, the, the doing it on some level should be its own reward. But that said, you know, I think we're, we're definitely running into interesting times as far as like Spotify payouts or streaming. That's what I was thinking. Streaming residuals or the writer's strike or, you know, like somebody's making a living off the stuff. It's just not the people who actually do the stuff. Well, sometimes with poetry, I don't know if anyone's making money off it. But yeah, but with music and other entertainment things, mass entertainment, you know? Well, I mean, we have who's making all the money off music because I don't know that record labels are doing great. I don't know that Spotify is actually making lots of money. I know it's got a huge market share. I know it's like value valuation is high, but you have, yeah, you have right. strange sort of entire economy set up in this way of like, I'm not sure how the music bur- business works right now and who it's working for. And, or, and the notion that there is some sliver of people who are just uh, hogging all the money uh, while the artists are suffering and musicians are suffering. I don't know that that's accurate. I feel like we upended the entire business model of people paying for recorded music and now consumers expect to get it for cheap or free. You know, I think this stuff is fluid too of like, you know, what we saw with journalism or, or writers, you know, and all those, you know, platforms, you know, going under or having a tough time and then something like Substack coming along and, you know, being like, well, if you love my writing, pay money for it and I'll give it to you. Maybe you know, SoundCloud or something like it, like that can redefine, uh, you know, what's happening for musicians and, and other, you know, other industries can have a similar sort of direct relationship between the creator and, and their audience in a way that, you know, helps them survive. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> And now for some quickies. Before memes, unfunny people knew they were unfunny. Sure, sometimes they'd say stuff like, oh, behave, or my wife, and that's what she said. But then we all groaned and they knew their place. It was a better time. Please consider that you may not actually have a disorder. You may just have a personality trait. Here's a business idea. Sell sunscreen at the writer's strike picket lines. There's some pretty pale people there. You know, writers. You can subscribe to or follow this show just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have a moment, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, or anywhere else that allows you to do that. And when I say that, I mean, like, leave it a good review. I feel like that's obvious, but if, you, if you're just going to leave it a bad review, you, you don't have to. Anyway, it helps others find the show, which I really appreciate. Uh, if you want to reach out to me directly, you can email me at mattruby at hey.com. That's mattruby at H-E-Y dot com. And if you like this podcast, you should subscribe to the Rubes Letter, where what you just heard first appeared. You can find that at mattrubycomedy.com slash subscribe. And while you're at mattrubycomedy.com, you can also find links to my Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok, where I post clips of my stand-up and other stuff too. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. This podcast is produced by Stereoactive Media. 